All right. I confess to you that uh, I know an awful lot of people like The Office. I don't watch The Office. It makes me uncomfortable. The way that they interact with each other is one of those shows I don't. But I, I do know some of the truths that came up through there. And some of the, you know, learning a new word didn't mean using in the right context, right, immensely, right? So you guys got that. I'm glad that you did get that. In your notes, I have what do we see at the top of your notes. And I, that's what New Year's resolutions is all about. If you've got a smartphone, pull your smartphone out, go to the Bible app, pull out your uh, paper, a uh, set of notes that you have there. You know, uh, what is it that we see about us from 2019 that we would like to change or be different or whatever it is? And, you know, it's the old usual thing. You know, the guy wants to do a cartwheel. They, they, they just do crazy, silly things like that. You know, uh, and maybe some people want to lose weight. Maybe some people, I actually know some people who would like to, to gain weight. Those are the people mostly I hate. People that want to exercise and do a lot of different things. But could I just basically say to you today, I don't mean this to come across wrong. I really don't care about your personal goals today. I don't care if you're fat, skinny, tall, short, or whatever. Well, if you are tall, I do have a little bit of issue with that. But I want to say to you today, I would like to talk to you about something, and you know where I'm going, something that would make a difference in eternity. Something that would make a difference inside of your life and my life and our hearts and our minds for 2020. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the way that they came up with 2020 vision is a good vision is they determined that if you stood 20 feet away from um, uh, the, uh, the, word, the letters on the wall, your eyes don't have to strain to see, you know, that's like the perfect measurement. You don't have to strain, you don't have to, it's just that 20 feet away, if you can read the line that's marked zero, they say you have 20-20 vision. So we use that chart to check on our visions. What do we use to check on our spiritual vision, our spiritual life, and where we're at? We use the Word of God. We use the Word of God to see if we have 20-20 spiritual life. And that's what I'd like to take a look at with you today. I want to take a look and see that our, the eyes have it. I want to take a look at four resolutions. You can call them spiritual disciplines, all from the book of Philippians. Four chapters in the book of Philippians. Four things as I spent some time sensing that the Lord's uh, leading me to each and every one of these. Could we this year take these four disciplines, hang them somewhere, keep them with us, keep these notes with us, and... Go through the process of allowing God's Spirit and His Word to mature us, to help us go deeper, to help us become more and more like Christ. So the ability to see our spiritual life and growth and maturity is, comes according to what the Scriptures have to say. So number one, here's a number one resolution. Could you write it in with me on your notes there? Allow trials to do their work. Allow trials to do their work. You know, hard times unfair events that happen to us or towards us in some way, shape, or form. Things that are difficult in our lives. A lot of times for Christians, you know, sometimes we fall back into the way the rest of the world is, is we know that the Bible says that God can use difficult times and trials to mature us. He can do things with it. For the unbeliever, I don't see anything in the Scriptures that says that it could be any good for them in regard, because, but God sticks His hand in your life and mine when there are difficult times, and he can take, though he doesn't cause them, he can create something that is good for us. See, for you and me, for Christians, sometimes it's just all too easy to suffer and complain all of our way through difficult, tough trials and things in our life. So Paul says in Philippians, the first chapter, starting in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, 
that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Do you see the surprise in his voice? You, uh, just a little bit of background. If you go through the book of Acts, Paul was preaching the gospel. People got mad and upset with him. They handed him over to the jailer. And all throughout this process, he's fighting the process. He should not be in jail. He should not be being arrested. Matter of fact, one of his defenses was, I'm a Roman citizen. I was born a Roman citizen. And one guy said, really? I had to pay for my Roman citizenship. And so everything about him, she should not be here in jail. Listen to the surprise in his voice. It's what has happened to me is it's actually helped to advance the gospel. Folks, I do not believe that right from the get-go, Paul was okay with everything. He was struggling through it, but he learned something that he wants to teach you and me that we need to allow the trials in our lives to work their way out to find out what it is God is doing or wants to do, verse 13. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Have you come through some type of a difficult time, a trial, a testing, whatever it is, and something good has come out of it? Something has helped advance the gospel. Other people that began to go through it came to you and saw how you got through it. That's exactly what Paul is doing. This is exactly what we're seeing, and this is what we're reading. This is what we're finding out. There's always someone who can relate to the difficult time I went through or the difficult time you went through. As a result of a difficult time about, what, 12, 13 years ago, I planted two new churches, started two new churches. Wouldn't have happened probably, but God uses difficult times and things. Verse 14, and because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become two things. Look at it. Confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul's like, hmm, I'm a Roman citizen. I was preaching Christ, and here I am in jail. He's sitting in jail, everybody. He's writing books from jail. He's ministering to a book by writing... Which books that you and I ended up with? He couldn't possibly have seen all of that. But you and I see and understand that all things that God works can do something good in us. He may have been thinking at one time it's unfair. I said, I did nothing wrong. And if you ever think, hey, I'm going to go out and preach the gospel. I'm going to do what Jesus calls me to do. We're looking for people constantly to step up and serve. If you think, well, if I do God's will, everything will be just great. Paul says, mm-mm. He was preaching Christ. Be careful that you don't fall into the trap that says, man, if I, if, I, if I do what's right, if I preach Christ, everything will just be uh, just peachy keen. He's ministering to these people and all of the people, inside the kingdom and outside the kingdom, they get it. The palace guard and all of them, I'm not sure how many of them were converted or whatever, but he says, they understand why I'm here. I'm here because of Christ. They're here, they understand that. And then he says, these, he says, the brothers and sisters that have been taking care of them, because in jail... They don't feed you at this time. They don't clothe you. You have to have other people helping you. And he had other Christians from Philippi and other places that were helping take care of him. And so what had happened? They began to see how Paul was handling it. They began to see what God was doing in his life. And they began to say, you know, what does he say here? People have become more confident in the Lord. Because their confidence probably before was based on God can get him out. He's opened the jail doors before. The other thing that happened is, is they, they gained courage. They dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. Wow, Paul's preaching, and people that are non-Christians and people that are, uh, are Christians, they're growing. 
they're learning. They're, they're, just, they're going into a deeper place. And that's why I say to you, allow the trials that come your way, the difficult times, to do their work. Because Paul's trials did something he didn't think of. I, mean, I really, as I look at it, I don't think he thought about it, but it's doing a work. And you may be in that way right now, or you may approach something in 2020. I hope not. I'm not wishing it on you. But, but I would say to you and me, there's trials. Why do we need to allow trials to do their work? Because Satan wants the trial that you're in to turn you against Christ, to turn you against the church, and turn you against everything that is... That's what he wants. You read the book of Job, you understand that. That's what he wants to have happen. I was talking to my mom yesterday. My mom told me something about her dad, my grandpa, that I had never known. I said, Mom, I never knew this. But my grandpa, Cook, he came over from, from Italy. And when he came over here, him and his brother and sister, and mom and dad were here for a while. For, I don't remember the reason, but his, their mom and dad needed to go back uh, to, to Italy. And when they went back to Italy, something happened. I don't remember what it was. They both passed away. They're literally in another country orphaned. They're orphaned. Now somebody steps up. Anybody here know what a paisano is? Yeah, you, you know, it's not just a funny word. It's not just a silly word. It literally is somebody with some type of dignity, some type of character. The paisanos stepped up to take care of them, and one of the men who was taking care of them passed away. I don't know how old he was, but my mom said this to me. He never went in church again. Says, I'm not sure if you knew that or not, but he never stepped foot in church. I didn't know that about Grandpa Cook. I didn't know that. And that's what Satan is hoping then when you go through a trial or a tough time, he's hoping you will turn against Jesus Christ, or at least away from him. So in 2020, you may find yourself in a place you never put yourself, but would you allow God to do that work? Paul found himself in a place he would have never put himself, but he saw what God could do, 2020. Number two in your notes, how about giving up a right? What, what are we talking about? Give up a right. You see, one of the reasons I am not a concert pianist is because of practice, right? Practice. We're not going to do the Allen Iverson thing, you know, practice, you know. See, my mom and dad bought a house on Lake Erie, and I, I would be taking piano lessons, which they wanted me to take, and I would look to the left and see Lake Erie, and I'd hear my friends out there, and I would decide to give up my right to practice so I could play with my friends. That's the only reason I'm not a concert pianist. I can do pretty good at chopsticks. Giving up a right, if you understand, if you know, that's, a, that's a Christian discipline. Something that is my right, something that is your right, something we can do. But most especially, one of the reasons we find out what it is that we should give up or we should walk away from is how it affects other people. Look at uh, Philippians, the second chapter, a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. In your, look at the words, relationships with one another. Folks, this is, has you and me, this is with the church. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. you starting to get it. You understand this passage, right? He is going to give up his right as being God and comfortable. He will continue to be ongoingly fully God and fully man. Please don't misunderstand me. But the whole comfort side, but the whole humanity side that he was going to take on, let's go on here. 
who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Folks, you have some rights. You and I have, there's things in our lives that, you know, we can do them, it's no problem, you know. But he's not thinking about himself right now, and this is what Paul, and this is what Jesus, this is what he's constantly trying to get us to do. Don't think about yourself. It started out by saying, in your relationships with one another. Me, you, you, me. In verse 7, he said, rather, Jesus, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, it is not my intention to insult anybody here, and I don't think God's intention is to put us down or insult us. But he goes from God, and the very first word he uses, he's going to be made nothing. Because comparatively speaking, being the God of the universe and taking on flesh and being made a servant is comparatively nothing. And yet I know his love for you and me is what has driven him. Look at the progression of words. Nothing, a servant, human likeness. And then verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man. Finally got to that place. Comparative. It's not an insult. It's just a true comparison of who God was. Found in appearance as a man, Jesus Christ. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The very principle of giving up our rights comes from Jesus Christ thinking about others other than himself. That's the whole purpose of what Jesus was teaching, dying to self, right? Here's the principle to, for us to give up a right, you know. Something that you have the right to. Something that, you, uh, that the Bible doesn't speak against. Something, and every generation has this. The Bible teaches a principle. You know, be careful not to be found uh, looking like a sinner. Be careful not to be found looking at what everybody else is doing, things that hurt people. And I would say to you and me, as you contemplate what it is, then maybe the Lord will speak to you. One of the principles to be like Christ is to give up something you have the right to. Now, you, you, you guys know that some of those things for Christians, it can be alcohol, tobacco, you know, lottery, gambling, and all those other different things like that. And Okay, but... but I'm, I really don't want to name something for you today. I want to let the Spirit speak to you in whatever that might be. Now, I'll speak to two areas that oftentimes people don't think about. And the first one, I'm going to talk, talk to women and I'm going to talk to men. And I, I, I probably shouldn't talk to women. I probably shouldn't say what I'm going to say, but I'm too stupid to keep my mouth shut. I have five sisters and I have a couple daughters. And I want to say to women lots of times, nobody here, so don't worry about it. Sometimes women say, I'm going to wear whatever I want to wear. I don't care what anybody says. You all right out there today? You ever try to talk to your daughters and say, you know, that's way too much cleavage? You ever try to talk to somebody that you love and you care for and you try to approach them and you fear being called a pervert? You all right out here today? Sometimes women say, you know, this is who I am. If that's the way you are, you're weird. Every father that's here today, I hope you have a conversation with your daughters because they don't have a clue how men think. Please, maybe God will speak to you about your right, and, and you, that's your right. Uh, what about men? Men, the biggest thing I see with men lots of times is everybody wants a piece of my time. I've put in long hours at work. When I get home, I want to do what I want to do, as if your wife or your mom, the mom hasn't been doing anything, right? You know, we want our right because we want to play. 
We want our right because we want to fish. We want our right because we want to relax, hobbies, whatever it might be. Gentlemen today, men, is it possible that the right that we think we have to that time and that enjoyment should be moved aside? I don't know. Now, now I said I wasn't going to tell you, but I just mentioned a couple different things today. What is it? As you begin to meditate, you got 12 months. What right would the Holy Spirit speak to you and you would do the exact same thing Jesus did? He humbled himself and became obedient. I was talking to a gentleman just this past week that told me, you know, they got saved, they were following Christ, and there was something that they were doing, it was no big deal, but they felt a little conviction, they talked to somebody else about it, and they asked themselves the question, you know, do you really want to appear before God and be doing this? And from that point on, that person said to me, I just gave it up. He became obedient. I just ask you today, do you want to grow in Christ? Could you be sensitive to whatever the Spirit says to you, whatever is my right, to just say, ah, it will not control me. Dr. Oral Lovell, Pastor Dale, Dr. Oral Lovell, teacher, I learned so much from him. Uh, when you had him as a, a teaching pastor, um, he taught me my Greek, and I got to know him a little bit. Do you know that man loved coffee? But every once in a while, he said, I am giving up coffee. He would refrain from coffee because he says, I don't want anything to rule me. Hmm. That's a good principle and a good practice. Folks, we need to, in 2020, understand the power that Jesus had. And it's not necessarily for us. Jesus gave up his right as God, and he did it for you and for me. If not, man, we'd be lost in our sins. Somehow, someway, the right that we may hold on to may not even be so much about us, but let's think about us and our relationship to other people. I, I think about our kids' club. Our kids' club uh, it needs six volunteers. We have a one, and uh, we're in need of five, which may mean we've been talking about that for a month. If some people don't step up, we'll close some classes. We're just looking for some people to give up their right to sit here and have to put on with me droning on and take one out of three months. See Marsha today if you'd like to help us do that. Number three. How about hitting the refresh button in 2020? In 2020, hit the refresh button, right? You know, every internet browser uses a, has a refresh button. What it does is it, it sends information, the most updated information to the page, and if there's some old information on it, it basically flushes that out. Flush it out, hit the refresh, got all the brand new stuff, all the brand new information. Here is Paul in Philippians 3. Here's the third chapter, verse 12. And he's... Try to make people understand, you know, I've, I've, I've learned some things. But he says, look at verse uh, 12, not that I have already obtained all of this. He's not trying to get to the place where he's some spiritual snob or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He got back to the focus of Christ didn't just save you so you can stay the way you are. He saved you, he took hold of you, to wash you up, to clean you up, to get us to walk away from sin, to live a holy life. So that when we see Jesus, there's no big change. Just run, right, smooth change. He, Paul wrote most of the books in the New Testament, and he wasn't satisfied with his spiritual life. So I simply ask you the question I ask myself, are you satisfied? Have you fallen in just saying, this is who I am, this is what I am? Let's not do that. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but here's where he hits the refresh button. You see this? But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. The prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul had hit the refresh button, forgetting how unfairly he had been treated. Forgetting the fact that he was a Roman citizen. Forgetting the fact that he should not have been in jail. He said, you know what, I'm going to forget it. I'm seeing what God is doing. He's doing some good things. I'm learning to work through my trials. I see that God got his hand on it. And he says, I'm going to move forward. It's time to hit the refresh button, folks, and leave the past behind. Paul knew he had not necessarily received his salvation yet. The Bible says we get saved, and it's an ongoing journey until we are saved. It is an ongoing journey. Paul said, I don't want to be found to have fallen short. It's an ongoing journey. Press on. Folks, flush the past. Press on. What is it you need to do in 2020? You may not even know, but as you begin to meditate on this, maybe you say you need to apologize to somebody. Maybe you need to forgive somebody that's asked for forgiveness, or maybe you need to give forgiveness. Maybe you need to move on. How many families here, like mine, and my, you have issues? Somebody, maybe you're all here together. You're on that side of the church. Hey, time to flush the past, because the past is holding on. Hit the refresh button. And, put, and it wasn't necessarily easy to go on. Look at straining forward. Are you making time for Bible study? Are you making time to serve? You know, are you going to stick around for fellowship? Are you being a part of the church? Are you just show up, get your one-hour shot, and, and moving on? Why is it important to make sure we hit the refresh button? Because all of the old past events in our life, they're muddying up the clean life Jesus wants for us. You ever just take what's in the past? And, and, and I know there's wonderful and good memories, but some of those, they just they nag us, and they nag, and they nag on. I, I'm a little bit weird, and I, I'm going to apologize in advance, but I, I'm kind of not really apologizing. In my mind, when I, I see and hear certain, do you guys know that astronauts, when they're gone for a long period of time, that their urine is cleaned into drinking water? I'm not trying to be gross, but that's just a reality. And if that's a reality, I'd ask myself the question, what if the filtering system breaks while I'm in outer space? I'm getting on the phone. Hey, bring this booger down. I can only hold it for so long. We laugh. We wouldn't want to drink something stinky pee. Don't. Be allowing the past stink to muddy the spiritually clean life that Jesus Christ wants for us. It'll renew you. It'll refresh you. In 2020, refresh the pages of your life. Forget the past and strain ahead. One last one comes from the fourth chapter, number four. Don't analyze, realize. Don't analyze, realize. Sometimes we can analyze to the place where it paralyzes our lives. It paralyzes our actions because analyzing is a lot of work and we like to do that, right? Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Now, folks, I'm just saying that impresses me. Here's a guy that would probably die in prison, shouldn't be there, and he tells me to rejoice and he told the people to rejoice. Boy, that's got to minister to somebody. 
When you go through, number one, you're in a trial and difficult time, and you say to other people, rejoice. It's all right. It's going to be okay. God's using this. That, that encourages other people. Uh, he's in jail. He's not analyzing all of the past. He's flushing it. He's hitting the refresh button, and he realizes Christ is in me. Look at verse 5. He says to you and to me, hey, folks, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be, here's the word, anxious. It's the word for worry. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends, that word there means passes beyond the logical, analytical part of our brain. It transcends. That's pretty cool. The peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your heart and your mind. If you've ever said to somebody, I have such a peace, you try to exp- I can't explain it to you. That's exactly what's going on here. You know, this, anxio- this anxiety, this worry, it's this constant thinking sometimes we do, you know, without the peace of God in our hearts and our lives, it just kind of pushes it away. They, two of them cannot exist. And if anybody had learned it, Paul had learned it. We need to learn the exact same thing. Don't just analyze whatever situation you are in to death. He says, do these three things, all right? Here we go, three things. He says, first of all, he says, pray about it. When you're in a situation, because begin by just talking to the Lord. Talk to Him. Listen to Him. Talk. Yeah, I'm doing, if you're frustrated, you're sitting, you know, can't you imagine Paul saying, listen, I was preaching the gospel, and now I'm in jail for you? He's talking to him. The second thing he says to do then is petition the Lord. You can petition the Lord about the situation that you're in, the situation I find myself in. Petition him. Talk to him about it. No, understand and be guaranteed that he's not going to get us out of each and every situation. Paul did tell us that, but then he said, would you do this? Then he says, make sure you have a time of thanks. I talked to my son on the phone this past week. He said, everything is going wrong. I said, everything? everything in your life. You know, that's what parents do, right? I said, do you want to start making a list of everything that's going really well in your life? Number one, you live in Virginia where it's warm. I know. He, he's a godly man right there, boy. Right? Uh, yeah, I just went down and listened. He says, yeah, yeah. But, you know, sometimes we've analyzed it and it pushes us over the edge. Give thanks. You know, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. That's not just a song to be sung. It's a practice to be pre- practiced. You know, so don't just analyze a situation to death. Do something about it. He gives us three opportunities here, and I'm not against planning. Because I know sometimes planning creates a little bit of anxiety. But you know, sometimes I find that Christians don't have the peace of God until a certain event happens, and they're like, we're waiting for it. Hey, we're waiting for our, our child to graduate. We're waiting for our house to be paid off. We're waiting for the job. We're waiting. And we, we think in our mind, when that happens, man, I'm going to be set. And Paul is saying, no, 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 I'm in the middle. I'm living in the middle of something that God is doing in my life. situation that I would really rather not be in, but the peace of God is guarding my heart. Can you just, just be honest with yourself? Where's the peace of God? Is it transcending the situations? Is it getting past the mind, the analytical side of it, so that you're sensing the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? In 2020, practice the spiritual disciplines that bring God's peace all the time. 
In your notes, I have the phrase, hindsight is 2020, right? I put one of several different definitions. Hindsight is 2020. You've heard it. I've heard it. I have that people who are, look at the word, they are able to look back on the past and understand what happened, have insight, right? Now, if you think about that, the entire Bible, Old and New Testament, is a book of hindsight. Things that happened with Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, and and Joseph of the Old Testament, and so many different people where different things happened to them in their lives, Nehemiah, Jonah, and it's seeing how God worked. We get a book of hindsight. So the definition says, Evan, this is for people who are able to look back on the past and understand what happened. They have hindsight. And the question is, is can I learn from it? Paul just wrote a book of hindsight. We just looked at four goals, spiritual goals, that will take us beyond where we are. And it'll change and transform every one of us, and it'll transform this church. So the Bible calls to me and to you to keep it in front of us. Some of you have a lot of different ways to do that. But in your asterisks and the final fill-in I have for you here today, I, I think that the, as I was preparing, the Bible, the Word of God calls out, the book of Philippians calls out and says, could you put me somewhere your eyes can see me all throughout 2020? Could you take these notes? Somebody sent me a picture on their phone that they had the notes from a certain message. Uh, the, the wife's was here, the husband's was here, it was stuck on their refrigerator. Wherever you can put it. Keep these notes with you. Keep the book of Philippians before you. Keep this so that, you know, the growth process, because I don't know about you, but I don't just read something here today and I'm changed. There's sometimes it's a month, two months, half a year process. If these four goals could be accomplished in our spiritual lives, wow. You could end up putting on 20 pounds and be happy. You could stay flabby and have a spare tire the size of a truck tire. Who cares? Grown in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in 2020, I want to say to each and every one of you, seeing is believing. I have three references there, three passages of Scripture there with three lines. Now, I've spoken to you. And every one of these three, I would like you to just, maybe tonight, get alone, take a look at the context if you want. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about each of those passages? Three very quick passages. Each of them uses kind of the whole thought of seeing, right? Uh, Look at the first one, a view of things. The second one, keep your eyes. Uh, The third one, or seen in me. All of these have eyes. But, you know, Jesus said you always have eyes and you never see it. You don't ever perceive. And so he challenges us to go beyond. So since I spent some time with the Lord, this is what he said to me. What if you were to take, take all three of those. A little bit of time with you in Christ. What does he say to you? Fill it in and see what it is he says to you. And keep these notes all throughout 20, most especially the book of Philippians, to help change your heart and your life. One last thing I was, um, anybody here ever go to Redberry Candy Store in uh, Madison? Yeah. I go there to get uh, fruit stripe gum because my kids hate it. Every Christmas it gets in their stocking. There's no flavor to it. You can eat a whole pack and the flavor's gone in five seconds. You know? I get every time. It, it's, here, here you go, everybody. You know, they're like, uh, I send it to Joshua in Virginia because it'll help Virginia. It'll help the whole state, I'm sure of that. But I went there and I was buying some candy stuff for them. To put, I always put some flashbacks, some old uh, stuff uh, in their stockings. And uh, there's on this, this counter there that said, ring the bell for Jesus. So I, 
I clicked the bell up. I started ringing the bell. And the lady said, you won. I'm like, I won? She's like, yeah. She says, look, underneath the bell was a cross that had these studded, I hope it wasn't diamonds, but it's probably cubic zirconium. She says, you can have it or you can leave it there and pass it on to somebody else. I'm thinking, why did you have to say that? If she would have just said you could have it, I could have taken it. Now I've got to think about the next person. What the heck kind of Christianity is that? <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, lots of times we've picked up Jesus and rang the bell. We've gotten saved. We've started on a journey. But I didn't see it at the time. We haven't seen the cross. We sang about the power of the blood of Jesus. Have you picked up the bell and rang about Jesus? but haven't seen the power of the cross in your life? To accomplish all four of these disciplines, resolutions, whatever you call them, it's time to see the power of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives change us, help us grow deeper and more like Christ. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, as we close our service today, we're not going to close our minds to what it is you say. We want to make sure that we understand trials will come our way. We will look to you and look to see that you, and we will allow them to do the work in us that you have for us. Father, when we consider in 2020, what right is it that I have that is mine that you want to speak to me that I need to give up so that I can be like Christ? And maybe it will be not necessarily for me, but it will be for somebody else, to help somebody else, to show them we love or care about them. Lord, probably not a person here. It's not time to hit the refresh button. Something from the past that just can get in our lives, it can muddy us, and you want us to live a clean, fresh, brand-new life. Man, may we strain forward as we forget the past. And, Lord, may we not get to that place where we're so worried, we're so anxious, we're analyzing everything, and we don't realize the peace of God. It's what you want us to live in and by your power, and because of your word, we can. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.